Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. We are here with Los Wit, and I'll let you give your full name, because it's like seven names or something, right? It is, it is, it is. It's Carlos Enrique Wittiker Cusmano Chibocabello, or Los for short, whichever one. I, I won't even try that. I won't yeah. even, it's won't not even, for me. I am way too Caucasian to go there. I'm going to leave so. that one alone, yeah. <laughs> Um, Carlos is a, he's been a little bit of everything. He's been a worship pastor. He's been a thought leader with Catalyst, um, has two books out, Moment Maker, and the latest book, Kill the Spider. What inspired that book? Bro, that's a heavy question. That's a be- you want to just ask that one question and then we just talk for an hour, right? Okay. Well, uh, that's fine by me. <laughs> so Kill the Spider, um, really it was it was inspired through a conversation i had with my dad um you know i i had been going through a season where um and we all have these seasons where we're trying to get past a certain behavior right like we've got these habits and behaviors that are uh, they're really destructive to, to to our lives and so most of the time what we do is we go to therapy we read self-help books we we do all the things that we know how to do in the natural right and um I was doing all those things and I was getting better, but I just, I wasn't seeming to get over the, over the hump. So after like one um, therapy session with my um, therapist, his name's Al, my, my therapist Al told me, Hey, you, you need to figure out why you keep rubbing crap on your blessings is what he said. And so I, um, you know, that I was, I was a little offended because I was like, well, I don't feel like I do that. He's like, no, take a look at the story arc of your life. this is what you do. Every time God blesses you with something, you find a way to rub crap on it. You find a way to ruin it. You don't feel like you deserve the blessings in your life. And when he said that, that's when it clicked. And um, so I called my dad and my dad, he's just, he's a wise saint of a man. And um, I called him and I just said, dad, Al told me that I rub crap on my blessings. I need you to tell me why you, you obviously you're my dad. You've got to know why. And he said, I know why. And so he goes on this story um, about, he was preaching a revival in Panama and um, he gave the invitation. And at the end of the invitation, he said only one person came to the front for the invitation. He said, it was a very old lady named Miss Ramirez. She came walking to the front. She was crying and she asked him, pastor, can you please pray for me? And my dad said, sure. And at this point in the conversation, I'm like, why is he telling me this story about this random old lady in Panama? He's like, Miss Ramirez asked me if she would, if I would please pray that God would clean the cobwebs from her life. So he said he did. He said, um, he prayed some prayer, like, Lord, clean the cobwebs from her life. He said, the next night, Miss Ramirez came forward, night two of the revival, and she asks him again if he would pray harder that God would clean the cobwebs from, his life, from her life. And he said, well, it doesn't really work that way. She said, please. So he prayed again, Lord, clean the cobwebs from Miss Ramirez's life. He said, the third night of the revival, Miss Ramirez comes forward, and she says, Pastor, can you pray one more time that God would clean the cobwebs from my life? And my dad said he looked at her square in the eyes and said, nope. We've been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight, we're not going to pray he cleans the cobwebs. Tonight, we pray he kills the spider. And when he told me that, I knew exactly why he told me that story. Because um, I, I, that's what I'd been doing. Like, I'd been, I'd been cleaning the cobwebs. And I didn't have a definition for a cobweb or a definition for a spider or anything fancy around that. I just knew the, the reason behind the story. And he said, Carlos, I've been watching you clean the cobwebs of sin your entire life. You can't keep going to your therapist and clean and find the cobwebs and clean it. You have to find the root, the source and kill the spider. So 
um, that's really where where the book came from. It's kind of half memoir, half self help, and then when I say self help, Holy Spirit help. Um, yeah. Where where I take people because I finally did. I finally identified my spider. I located my spider and I cornered my spider um, with Al. And I think therapists are great, and, and he helped me do that. Um, but I didn't kill my spider with Al. And I think so so many people. Are, are waiting and hoping on the natural to kill their spider when the truth is that you can't kill your spider in a therapist's office. You have to kill your spider with the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection. So the only way to kill it is through the supernatural. So like the, and I tell people all the time, the natural is, is our help. Like we, all of those things are great. Medicine for anxiety and depression, therapists, self-help books, all those things. That, that's great to have your help in the natural, but your hope has to be in the supernatural. And so for me, that's where I finally did it. And so the book is, is um, my way of inviting people into a journey of them identifying, locating, cornering, and then finally killing their spider. So, so what did that take for you? You document your onsite journey, which like I shed more than one tear in the middle of reading the book. Like, like I read it in bed and my wife's looking at me crazy and I'm like, oh, it's just low wit. Um, what did that take for you to kill the spider? Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, again, I, I, my journey in the book, it does have a story arc of seven days at this exper experiential therapy center um, about an hour outside of Nashville, Tennessee called Onsite uh, Retreat Centers. And I did a program called the Living Centered Program. And again, Onsite was an incredible tool that really helped accelerate me towards facing my spider. But what I tell, you know, um, what I tell people, I think I tell, tell them in this book, I don't know, I definitely do in the next book, is that on-site did not kill my spider. On-site, um, that therapy just got me face-to-face -face with it. Once you're face-to-face -face with your spider, you can kill it. And so to put a little, a, a little bit of um, definition around the, your listeners, um, this is super important. A spider, so we, we talk about cobwebs and spiders. So mm -hmm. a spider is an agreement that you've made with a lie. Okay, so, so that's, that's what's hard to get to, is, is to find that agreement you've made with lies. So both of you guys I'm looking at right now, you both have spiders in your lives. You both have agreements you've made with lies. I have them as well, that are, those agreements therefore in turn create and produce behaviors that medicate those lies. So if a spider's an agreement you've made with a lie and you've got to break that, you have to get to the spider. Well. Um, that's the hard part. If a spider's in agreement, a cobweb is a medicating behavior that brings comfort to the lie. So where most people do is they hang out in cobweb land, in medicating behavior land. So a cobweb is a medicating behavior that brings comfort to a lie. So you've got, I and mean, we can start spitting them out right now. Alcohol, uh, gossip, social media, pornography, artificial intimacy, affairs, like all of these things that people want to fix they, they want to, you know, they want to take like an online course to stop their porn addiction, or they want to like put a, a porn app on their phone and, and stop their porn addiction. And all that's doing is cleaning the cobwebs. And so what, you know, if you want to know what your cobweb is, just ask your friends and family, they'll be able to tell you. It's really easy. We all have them. They're very visible for every single one of us. If you want to know what your spider is, you can't ask your, your family. You're going to have to ask and invite the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that, that's really where, you know, th there's a, a, a big chunk of the book helping people begin to hear what the spider is in their life so that they can finally do battle. Once I found my spider, to be honest with you, um, the whole book, 280 pages, it's called Kill the Spider, but there's really only one and a half pages on how to kill it. Because killing right. the spider is the easy part. Finding the spider 
is the hard part. But Find the Spider wasn't near as good of a book title as Kill the Spider. So, <laughs> you know, um, so to kill the spider, this is what you do. You, once you find the lie, you confess the lie, you reject the lie, and then you replace the lie with God's truth. Now, it sounds super easy, and it is. Um, you know, and so many people don't want to believe that, that this part of the gospel is that easy, but it's so true. But here's the thing is um, we, don't just, we don't just have one spider. And so many people think, and that's one thing I wish I could have written in the book that I didn't, that I get so many questions about is you have more than one spider. You have spiders that birth every single day, uh, agreements you make with lies, whether it be through arguments with your friends, your parents, your spouse, who are coworkers, those, those things create spiders. And then those spiders in turn create habits, cobwebs. And so this is something uh, I have to confess, renounce, reject, and replace those lies every day. This isn't something that is like one and done. You have to continually do it uh, over and over. And then once you get in a habit of doing that, that's when kind of that abundant mindset begins to spring forward, um, which is all kind of the next book. But to, to kill it is, um, uh, is really going to be the first step towards freedom. Do you think people find comfort in their spider or the spider webs? I, I've been oh. gone through counseling myself and my counselor would always, I would say something that was, I knew was a lie. And he would say, now, Jeff, is that true? And I said, no, I just want to feel that because the, the awkwardness or the uncomfortable was actually comforting to be oh. in agreement with that lie. So oh we make gosh. pets out of our spiders. Yeah, man, we, we, we have pet spiders, you know, like we, we, we love our spider. So many, so many people get to the point of, of, of identifying their spider, cornering their spider, and then they're like, I don't know if I want to kill it because I'm so comfortable with it. This spider, yeah. I mean, uh, here, here's, here's the deal. Like we all, have, um, we all have our souls, right, that need protection. And, and the thing is, is that these spiders, what they're doing is, they're, is they're, they're offering protection to our souls in a way that's not healthy, but it's still protection. And so I tell people all the time, you're, you're still being protected by anger, right? So like when people have anger issues, it rises up and, they, and they, um, they can't manage it because that anger is protecting them from something even greater that they're scared of, something even greater. And so the thing is, you just have to get to the point where you can actually trust that God's protection for you is going to be so much greater than your, than your spider's protection for you. Yeah. That's important. How did, I mean, how did you get to that point? Cause, cause you've, you, in the book, you, you talk about, it's been a long journey with the, with some of the spiders and especially the one you point out in the book. How did you yeah. finally get to this place where, where this thing that had been in your life so long, you go, Hey, I've got to kill that. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately what ends up happening is if we continue to make friends with your spiders, like I did, unfortunately what happens is the spider will ultimately completely destroy you. It'll completely destroy every relationship, every fabric of, of goodness that you have in your life. And so, you know, that's what people call rock bottom. And, and that's what happened to me. I hit rock bottom. I lost my family. I lost my career. I lost my job. I lost everything. And I finally got to the point where I had no, I had nothing else left. And so I tell people all the time, like, don't wait till you don't have to wait until you get to that point. Um, you know, the scripture does tell us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill and to destroy, not to like to bother you and to make life uncomfortable. Like, that's not what scripture says. You know, uh, the, the, the enemy comes to make life uncomfortable and to bother you a little bit. No, it says to steal, to kill and to destroy. And so 
those words are actually true and and they will come if you don't um step into the authority that god has given you um and gosh i'm just if i could really just explain to people what fullness and abundance truly looks like when you finally get to that abundant mindset when you finally live john 10 10 um but i have come that they may have life but there's not a period after the word life most christians put a period right there they're like oh i'm supposed to pray become a christian and wait to go to heaven and that's what like life's all about it's like actually the scripture goes on it says and have it to the full life and have it to the full so instead of putting a period after the word life what's it look like to take that period move it a few words over and have it to the full and guys that that next section that next section of of that scripture is so much greater than any sort of, of cobweb or spider can give you comfort like the, the, the freedom and the healing um, and the miracle signs and wonders that are available on this side of heaven, when you step into that, it's, it's mind blowing. And so when you finally get a taste of that, um, you'll, you'll never want to go back to a cobweb being your comforter. Yeah, that's good. That's good, Carlos. Mm. So you, you said there's perpetual spiders, that they're always giving birth. So how have you managed this as sort of a, a process or I don't want to systematize it, but um, sort of the evaluation of a daily pattern and of, of this kind of lifestyle that kills spiders? Yep, absolutely. I, I wish I, I think I had my little book here. Um, I've got this little pamphlet called God Creative Pow- God's Creative Power in You by a man named Charles Caps. And this pamphlet is, is what I use on a day, literally a daily basis. I, there's, there's scriptures that are truths that I read over my life. And I pray those things every day. I also start my day with a daily prayer that's in the back of kill the spider. And so, you know, that daily prayer is all it is, is a reset and a consecration of my day. Every single day, I pray it every single day. I prayed that thing every single day for six years and the effect that that's had in my life, those six years, it's, it's been, it's, it's completely mind blowing. And so um, consecrating your day because we all know that we can go to bed, you know, or we can begin the day like believing in God and a great Christian, but half the time, by the time we get to, to bed, we don't even believe in God anymore. And so we say we have to reset every single day. And so I do that on a daily basis. Uh, and then I really start stepping into conversational intimacy with Jesus, um, hearing, asking and hearing from him on a daily basis, all day, every day, not just on Sundays, not just during a great worship set, not just during a great sermon or during a podcast, but like God is speaking to us all day long, every single day. There's no such thing as coincidence once you become a believer. Uh, there's actually no such thing as coincidence, even if you're not a believer. Like the Holy Spirit has been, has been given authority over this world so that we can um, step into um, conversation with him. And so people think I'm nuts, but I, I literally ask and hear from God on a daily basis. So in my journal every morning, I'm asking specific questions. And then throughout my day, I'm hearing specific answers. Um, and so really for me, it's become that. And it's become a really cool, um, uh, cool, cool pattern. And so, you know, I know we don't like, like to systemize things, but there is, there is a system when it comes to hearing from God and what it looks like to ask him on a daily basis. So is it, is it a, an awareness? My, my wife and I have said that for years, that there is no coincidence in God. So is it becoming aware of God speaking in ways maybe we weren't seeing him before? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's starting to uh, really um, know, know what it looks like when God speaks. Um, and it, here's the thing is most Christians, they're scared 
they're, they're scared of this part of their, their faith because the, the truth is, is we're, the reason why they're scared is, is because they're scared that he, he's not going to talk. And so we don't ask God specific questions because we're scared he's not going to give a specific answer. So how do most Christians pray? We pray very broad prayers, right? Like we cast a super wide net, like, oh God, I pray for my health in 2019. Or, oh God, I pray for my school year this year. Give me favor over my school year. And it's like, I mean, we have such a specific God. Why in the world won't we get specific and say, Lord, tomorrow morning, I need to have an encounter with somebody that is going to encourage my heart because I'm so depressed and I'm filled with such anxiety. So I need tomorrow morning, God, between nine and 11, you to show up like that and bring somebody. Well, the reason we don't ask that is we're scared it's not going to happen. And that, that, that um, fear keeps so many Christians from experiencing the abundant life that you have when you actually, um, when you actually get to have got to answer specific questions on a daily basis. So the first thing I tell people all the time is, hey, today, ask God a specific question. Just get super specific and watch him give you a specific answer. But the reason why we don't is because we're scared. But once you start asking specifically and he starts answering specifically, oh my gosh, it, it starts to change everything. So how's that, how's that changed the way you live and interact then? If you're praying specific prayers, what have you seen God do? I, I mean, I mean, I, I could, I can, it's, it's literally every day. I don't have my journal with me every single day. I'm asking God specific questions where here's a great example. Um, I lost my Bible. I couldn't find my Bible. And I was like, I having a mild panic attack. Cause I was about to go out, um, out of, um, town for three weeks. And, and again, I, I use my, I use scripture every day in my, in my journal. So I was freaking out. So I'm looking everywhere and Heather asked me, well, have you prayed and asked God where your Bible was? And I was like, well, no. You know, and she's like, well, why? And I'm like, well, because honestly, because I was scared if I asked him and he didn't show me, well, then now I have a crisis of faith, right? I asked, I, I asked God, I said, okay, God, I, I need some help. We leave in 20 minutes. I need some help. Where's my Bible? <laughs> this is so crazy. I kid you not. Like I say, amen. I walk around the corner. There's no lights on in my home. Like it's, there, there's just like moonlight. And as I round the corner, this, the moon is like shining into the into this corner window over here, and it's shining like one spotlight, just a moonlight onto the coffee table. And right underneath that spotlight of moonlight is my Bible. It's like God went, and like put a spotlight <laughs> on my Bible. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm running around the house like going, God, you'll never believe it. And of course, Heather's like, what do you mean you'll never believe it? Like this stuff happens every day, right? And so it's those little things where we can ask God, God, should I go to uh, Crema today to work, which is a coffee shop in Nashville, or yeah. should I go to Frothy Monkey today to work? And he will tell me. He will tell, and every single time, inevitably, there's a reason. And so um, we, were, we were created to walk and talk with God. We weren't created to, to hope and wish. And so, um, you know, being conversational creatures, um, God's waiting to talk to you all day, every day. Uh, and again, beautiful thing about that is this is all in my next book, like really how to step into that conversational intimacy. Um, and, uh, there, there really is a process and a practice on how to do that. Well, I think just from your illusions of, of Heather, she sounds like most of our wives. I oh. feel like my wife gets things about three days before I do from the Lord. Like, yeah. 
like I'll go, you'll never guess what Jesus said. And she goes, I know. <laughs> like, so totally, uh, totally. Heather seems to be that way for you. Um, I discovered you as Carlos Whitaker, the, the music artist, the blogger, yeah. the, the worship leader um, in that space. Um, you've shifted out of that. What, yeah. what kind of caused that transition? Man, you know, um, it was crazy. I mean, I, I was like, I, I was, I had a record deal with Sony, Sony Provident and was on my second record and I was touring and I was, you know, I was actually super successful. Like I was leading worship every weekend at North Point at Elevation at like, like these are my friends and my family and I'm doing it. And God was very clear in 2014 that I needed to stop leading worship. I mean, it was like so clear. It was one of those first conversational intimacy moments with Jesus where I was like, Lord, tell me the plans for this next year with my music. And he's like, there is none. Like you're supposed to be done. And I was like, excuse me. Like, like I'm like, I'm on the up and this is how I care for my family. He's like, yeah, I know, but I've got greater things. And I'm like, no, no. And so I fought that for about six months. Um, and it's crazy. I, um, I, I fought it. I didn't, I didn't tell my wife that I heard that. And finally, um, I, I had a uh, lunch with one of my friends, Mike Foster, and he told me, he said, Carlos, like, I know you're a worship leader, but I'm telling you, more people see you as a thought leader than a worship leader. And more and more, my friends started to say the same thing that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying. And so finally, I, I said, all right. And you know, if you follow me for long enough, you know, I'm kind of like, go big or go home. Like, I don't kind of do anything halfway. And so I went to my laptop in April of 2014, and I had 87 worship leading dates on the calendar. And in one email, I canceled all of them. Oh, I boy. said, I said, I said, hey guys, um, this is Carlos. Like, I know we're booked. Um, I'm going to send you your deposit back. I feel like God's asked me to be a speaker and an author. Um, and so um, I know that that you wanted me as a worship leader, but if you if you'd love to have me as a speaker, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to come to your event. And I did this in full faith. That 87 out of 87 people were, were going to be like, of course, we'll just add another slot. Have you come? And so I, um, I, hit, I hit send and I canceled all my dates. And I started seeing my checking account go down and down. All the deposits <laughs> were leaving my checking account. Two days later, I didn't get an email back. Seven days later, I got my first email back from all 87 people. And the email was just like, hey, thanks for the deposit. We wish you luck. Like that, that's, that's like what it was. 10 days, <laughs> nothing. And, and, and you're 10 like, days, like, at 10 days, like, I'm like, I'm freaking out, right? I'm like, God, like, I, I heard wrong, right? I heard wrong. And so um, day 13, I go to Home Depot and I go to Starbucks and I, I literally filled out two applications because I'm literally like now, I have no money. I need a job. And I'm embarrassed. I'm mortified. Um, my faith is shook. I've got, you know, I, it, was, it was the worst 13 days. Um, and I come home and I get an email in my inbox. And um, it wasn't in my, it was just in my regular, it wasn't in my booking email. And the email just said, um, the White House would like to invite you to, and I remember um, deleting it before I even read the whole subject line, because I was like, oh, it's a spam, like the, the White House is spam. So I hit delete. Uh, and about 30 minutes later, I get like, I, I think it was like seven missed calls from my publicist, um, my music publicist. And I looked at my phone, I was like, that's weird. So I call her back. She's like, hey. I just got a phone call and they know you deleted the email. Like, <laughs> Who's they? Excuse me? Who's they? She goes, go look right now in your deleted folder. And I said, what? So I was so confused. And I go and I look 
and I look at the email I deleted and it said, the White House wouldn't like to invite you to give a 10 minute devotional and sing one song at the Easter prayer breakfast this next Tuesday in the East Room of the White House with President Barack Obama. Bro, wow. I freaked out because my very first sermon <laughs> professional talk that I was going to give was going to be to the president of the freaking United States. And, and so like I call all my pastor friends and, you know, and I'm, I'm freaking out and I, I put my talk together and isn't it just like God to like, to, cause it was in the waiting that, that my faith was being built. It wasn't, it, it wasn't like when I was in the white house. So my first speaking gig ever was in the white house um, and, and I got to talk about, you know, um, how no policies or laws or anything that any politician puts in order is going to be the rescue of our country. It's going to be the blood of the, of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm literally preaching a gospel message in the East Room of the White House. And I'll just never, I'll never forget um, how after, after that got done, I realized that God really was building my, my, my character in the waiting. It, it wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't when great things are happening. Like, like God is committed to our maturing and maturity never comes on vacation. It never comes when things are easy. It always comes when things are difficult. And so my speaking career was 13 days of silence. And finally, my first speaking gig was at the White House. And honestly, I should have retired after that because there's not really anywhere else I can go that I'm going to be that nervous. Um, but it was incredible. And yes, God has done incredible things. I haven't led worship. Uh, since 2015. Um, and so I'm, I'm booked solid and uh, my books are doing great. Um, and God is just really um, putting, putting some favor over my obedience. And so that's really how it all, how it all happened. So that 13 days that probably felt like 13 years, what, what would you say if you were talking to somebody, what, what do we do in that waiting period? How do we, how do we wrestle out those long days waiting for God to respond? Yes, yes, yes. Pray God's promise. Don't pray the problem. And and if you start speaking God's promise scriptures over your life, because how do we pray? Most of the time when we pray, it's like, oh, God, help me. Lord, I'm miserable. Lord, rescue me from this despair. But that's how David prayed, which is fine. But when you look in the New Testament and when you look how Jesus prayed, Jesus always prayed the promise. He never prayed the problem. And that's just how, how I would tell people that are in a season of waiting to just declare the promises God has over your life. Um, declare them not only for you, but for the enemy to hear. Okay, so, so the enemy is not omnipresent and can't hear what we're thinking. So we have to speak things out loud. And when the enemy starts hearing you speak these truths of God, he runs and he flees. Um, and so again, that, that book that I talked about, God's creative power in you, um, that book is filled with promises that I declare scriptures that I declare over my life on a daily basis. Um, and just, um, and, and also don't waste it. Don't waste the pain. Don't waste, um, the season of waiting, um, absorb everything you can because scripture tells us first Peter five ten. Now the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. That scripture has become such an incredible scripture for me because I know that although there's suffering that's promised in our life, it says it right there, after you've yeah. suffered, but it also says a little. And if your suffering feels like a lot, I promise you, it's going to feel like a little. It may feel like your entire book, 
then it'll feel like a chapter, then it'll feel like a page, then it'll feel like a word because his promise to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you is true. So just hang on to those promises. That's good. That's good. Um, what I always appreciate about, about you, especially social media wise, you're super vulnerable about your life, your family. Um, you posted something in January. You It's in the Belonging Co. in Nashville. Um, and and my, this is the nerd that I am. So my wife and I spent two days in Nashville, um, actually three days in Nashville, and we spent Tuesday night at the Belonging couple back in the summer. Um, we were like, we were like, it was the best night ever because Lisa Bevere was there. And oh, yeah. like, so my wife just nerded out about that because she loves that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. I will say I did look for you, but didn't see you that night. So, but you post. Yeah. You posted something back in, I think, January about something that, that Henry and Alex prayed every Now, you'd been in the speaking space for a couple of years, but in that post, you said there was a shift that happened. What what took place in, on that prayer that night? Yeah, you know, it was just the end of a service. Um, and really, our pastors don't really do this at the end. I mean, they I've seen it happen one other time in the three and a half years we've been there. But Henry just felt like the Lord had given him some words for a few people. So after the service, he came up and he spoke a couple words over one or two people like, I feel like God told me to be, for you to be patient. I feel like God told me this for you. And then he says, Carlos, Carlos, are you in the room? And I was like, oh, crap. So I kind of <laughs> raised my hand. Uh, I kind of raised my hand. And what's funny is before he even said that, Heather whispered over to me, he's going to say your name. And uh, sure enough, there's my wife and her prophetic nature. And then Henry, Henry lifts, you know, I lift up my hand and he's, he almost starts to talk to me where I'm at. He's like, actually come to the front. And I was like, oh my gosh. So like now I come to the front and he, Henry basically it's on my Instagram. You guys can link it or whatever. It, the post is still there. He prayed a, a prophetic prayer over my life that it was, it was such a spider killer for me is what it was because he said, Carlos, the Lord has been proud of you for all the spaces that you're stepping into as a speaker and as a communicator. Um, but I'm here to tell you that right now, he's saying that gone are the days of you being a speaker, gone are the days of you being a communicator, and here are the days of you now being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, he's pr it's great that you're a speaker, but now you're a preacher now. Like, it's, there was a shift in me. Uh, there was a shift that happened that night where... Um, you know, and, and what was so prophetic about it was that I'd spent the last year as my career had continued to, to as a speaker, continued to grow. And I'm, you know, now I'm speaking, um, gosh, I'm speaking at just these mega churches around the country. But every time I go, I would tell, I would every single time I'd always tell the pastor or whoever, well, Hey, listen, like I'm not a preacher, I'm a storyteller. And that, that's how I'm going to connect with your audience. And they would always be like, oh, you know, that's good. But what I didn't realize I was doing was I was like belittling the gifting that God had placed inside of me. It's like I wanted to like almost apologize for not being a preacher. And what happened that night was that spider got killed that I that I've like don't have the authority of Jesus Christ in me that can step onto a stage and deliver a gospel in a way that is going to profoundly impact people's lives. That I'm not just there to make people feel good feel, you know, cry and laugh and maybe motivate them to, to live a better life. Like, no, like actually that was the night where things shifted and suddenly I, I'm no longer like a motivational speaker. And now like I actually get to impart the truth of the gospel on a weekly basis. And what that did is it really transformed the way I teach, the way I preach. Uh, and what it did is it gave me an authority and it gave me a confidence that I didn't have. Uh, and it really, it shifted a lot. 
Do you find a lot of times mm. we're apologetic for the gifts God gives us? Like, oh my I, gosh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and that's the other thing is like, it's not like I, I'm, I'm not a storyteller anymore. Like that's still the main avenue at which I present and yeah. communicate ideas, right? Like it, it's what I do, uh, but there's just, there's a new authority in me that I don't have to apologize for the way God created me. Like I don't have to apologize for the way I communicate being different than the way Alex communicates. You know, I'm, I'm not, I, I wasn't created to kind of be a, uh, a, a fire yeller, you know, like, like that kind of having people shout amen at me all the time. But you know, when you, when I scroll through my Instagram feed, that's what every freaking pastor is putting on their Instagram feed this week. They're with their little quotes, you know, popping up and then people hooting and hollering and background music behind them and making you feel better. And I, and I look at that and I'm like, well, God, I suck, you know? And, and so God's like, no, stop. Like th this, th this is not, what I created you to do, I created you to be a minister of gospel in the gift and qualities and skill set that you have. So why are you trying to be somebody else? And when I finally started to step into that authority, it's been incredible to watch. It's been fun. Yeah, I think that was a, a lesson I tried to learn early and took me a long time. I, as a communicator, preacher myself, there was lots of models around me that I thought I was supposed to be like. Yeah. Um, and, and I would often apologize for being funny or make, uh -huh. I, use, I use like voices and narrative and things like that. Yeah. And I would apologize. And then I finally got to a place where I go, that's just who I am and who God's created me to be. And I think for anybody who's listening, I think there's freedom like you talk about in just being who God's designed you to be. We don't have to be anybody else. We don't have to be anything else carter you were you were talking earlier that every male in your family is a pastor yeah but one <laughs> yeah one and we don't ever talk to him no that's his own ah. fault <laughs> <laughs> but, but you've stepped outside of that and realized god had some other gifts for you and and you do the media thing and that you can be useful in the kingdom of god and not be quote unquote the pastor or the preacher right yeah so it's a it's an interesting dichotomy i think to realize that like that is part of what makes you know the kingdom at large so beautiful is that we all yeah. tell the story different ways and communicate different ways and because if we all communicated the exact same way like i mean you even look at it i mean scripturally you have you know paul and peter who were basically like we just talk about this totally differently and yeah. it's not a bad thing but we probably just shouldn't work together <laughs> like it's cool like you do your thing over there and i'm gonna do it over here and i'll pray for you but yep i love it i love it it's so true I mean, it's just, it's been exciting to watch God shift. I mean, um, I've been sort of an onlooker from afar, and it's great to have this conversation. Um, so what's next for Los Witt and the Whitaker family? Yeah, man, what's next is um, I, I just turned in the edit for my next book, um, the first edits. And so that'll come out spring of next year. Uh, and really what that book is going to do is um, is kind of launch, launch, uh, the new phase of my ministry, I, I really believe, you know, and, and I think kill the spider kind of set it up, but really all I'm into, I, all I want to do the next 20 years of my life, right. Is help people find freedom, help people experience the abundance that God has for us in John 10, 10. Uh, and really that's what this book is going to help people do. And that's really what the public ministry um, that my wife and I are going to kind of step into this together. Uh, we've got some live events that we're going to be doing uh, here in Nashville where we're going to be helping people again find their spider, but also step into the abundance uh, that God has for, for each and every one of us. And so, you know, new books come in, um, kind of a reintroduction of my podcast will be coming next month. Um, and then, you know, but, but 
one, one thing that I don't think will ever change is I'm, again, I tell stories and I'll continue to do that on social media. I'll continue to tell deep stories, but also stories about birds that I find, you know, and, and that I rescue and send to animal rescue places. But um, on a daily basis, I'm just trying to tell stories that give people hope. Um, and uh, I think that'll stay the same while there's some new kind of versions of what I do come out. That's great. That's great. Well, we have one sort of concluding question we ask everybody on our podcast. We, we're hosted here at Lee University. It's a Christian college campus. Um, but we, in part of our audience, is college students. Uh, so we ask everybody the same question. What is one lesson in college you learned that didn't take place in the classroom? Oh, wow. Um, one lesson in college I learned that didn't take place in the classroom. So many. I would say that um, probably the biggest one is um, the power and the importance of relationships. Those relationships that I, that I made in college, unlike high school, my college ones are still the same relationships I have today. Um, so don't take for granted the opportunity you have right now. You are creating life long relationships and friendships. And so the relationships that you start now, not that you won't make any later, but the relationships that, you're, that you have now, if you, if you can create them um, and consecrate them correctly, I believe that those things will propel you, you know, into spaces that, um, that, that really you were intended to be propelled into. And so for me, those relationships um, were so vital, so important. Um, out of all my relationships from um, before I was 25, my four best friends still to this day are the four guys that I, I got close with in college. And so relationships were huge for me. Listen, here's the deal. I got expelled from my first university. So like <laughs> ac academically expelled that, that, that story will be in the next book. So like, I didn't learn a whole lot in the classroom, but what I did do was I had a lot of fun. <coughs> and so, you know, have, have lots of fun and make sure you have fun with the right people. We had a, a probably a good fr a friend of yours. Do you know Kevin Queen there in Nashville? Oh, yeah. I remember Kevin. Kevin was on the podcast earlier, and he said the thing he learned was how to penny somebody in a room. Ah, that's amazing. Mine was so much deeper than that. I, de I, definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely also learned um, how to get over broken relationships. I think I, I think I got broke up with like four or five times in a matter of four years. So, you know. Yeah. But it's, no, the, your answer was great because Rob, who's usually at the table with me, is somebody I met in my undergraduate here at Lee University. We met here 20 years ago, I'll kind wow. of confess our age, and yeah. kind of reconnected and then we're able to start the podcast. So there's incredible value in those relationships you make in college that yeah. is lifelong. Yeah. I planted a church with a friend from college. Um, so yeah, th that's significant. Where, where can people get the book, Kill the Spider? Uh, you can go to killthespider.com, really easy, and uh, you can order there. There's also, if you go there, a, a free e-course that'll walk you through uh, through the book if you want to have my happy face uh, talk to you after every chapter. Awesome. And, nice. and where can people find you, Loswit? L-O-S-W-H-I-T on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I don't do Facebook, so only for my mom and stuff like that. But Instagram and Twitter is where I spend most of my time. And, and probably one of the best Insta follows you'll follow. You'll be able to follow. The stories are incredible. Listen, we've enjoyed our time. And as we say here at the Collective Scope Podcast, there's always a seat at the table for you. So thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collective Scope Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders? Yeah.